It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Always fun to catch up with EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. You can watch NHL now between the hours of 4 and 6 Eastern, Monday through Friday, of course, on the NHL Network. EJ, how are you? Hello, Don. How you doing today? Good. Everything good? I know you and Frank Cervelli had a little back and forth there and kind of had yeah. some uh, some issues with what you had to say about Dominic Ducham, but everything's fine. I, I, I hated to see you have to go through that. I, I was ready to go to war for you. I don't know Frank from Adam, but I had your back. Well, thank you. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess sometimes on Twitter, you know, these things can happen. And, uh, you know, it's not like Frank and I are, are that close. We don't know each other all that well. Uh, I have a lot of respect for his reporting and, I think he's building a nice career for himself. And, you know, we've had a few little things on Twitter over the years. We've disagreed with each other on different things. I mean, I, I would, to be fair, I would say I probably got a little too hot about it. That was, you know, as as we all experience in life, I was I was having a little bit of a of an interesting day for a few different reasons. And, uh, you know, nobody, I guess, likes to be challenged and, you know, on things and, but at any rate, I mean, I stand by what I said about Sharm. Uh, I didn't think he did it. I don't think he was a very good coach. And, and for those who who watch our show, and you know, and and obviously Frank's busy with his own career, so he's not watching what I talk about every day. But I was I was really critical of Dominic Ducharme almost from day one for a variety of reasons. I didn't like the way that he handled the young players there, and particularly Kakaniemi. He seemed like he was kind of a whipping boy. Um, you know, and this is a kid that before his 21st birthday had nine Stanley Cup playoff goals on his resume. So um, that was one thing. I didn't like some of his game management. I didn't like the way he handled some of his other roster decisions. And, you know, and talking to people in Montreal and people in that room, uh, you know, they say that you weren't wrong <laughs> about right. uh, that. I mean, I think we're – and I addressed it the following day is that, uh, you know, I was – I think uh, – I was inarticulate in in the in one of my tweets and in, in responding about uh, I was trying and this is kind of what started off I think is I was trying to answer a question about what I think makes a good coach which is really a impossible question to answer on Twitter without using a longer form and using several tweets um, but I used the word phony and I wasn't saying that Ducharme in my view, was a phony, because I would not know that. That's a character decision. I, I don't know him. But my, I was trying to make the point that the players always know in the room when things aren't right, when the coach isn't that good, when their teammates aren't that good, when the trainer doesn't sharpen the skates right, when the team doctor's no good, when the, the, you know, the team does things, the GM doesn't do things properly. The players know all the little nuances of things that go on. They just don't tell us in the media. They have to go about their business. That's just the way it works. And I was trying to make that point that the players always know. Right. And uh, in doing so, I used the word phony just to kind of condense the tweet. And 
it was inarticulate. And I, I went back the next day and, uh, you know, I apologized to, to Dominic, really, because uh, it's not, uh, Dominique, it's not my place to make personal judgments about somebody's character like that. My job is to, uh, to give my honest opinion about someone professionally. And I didn't really think it was that big a deal because, I mean, I know that, you know, for example, Joe Judge got, just got fired by the New York Giants, and you guys and other people in the media and the, on your show and others talk about that we talk about guys when they get fired. And that's just the nature of it. And, you know, he, this is someone that it wasn't like I, I just decided that day that I didn't think he was a very good coach. I had thought that he had made very questionable decisions for several months. Yeah. So, at any rate, you know, it's unfortunate that it happens, but, you know, it, sometimes it does. It's not, you know, it's kind of sport for fans when media members go after each other. And, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, not the smartest thing I've probably ever done in my life, that's for sure. Um, fans are going to have their opinions one way or the other, and uh, that's the way it goes. But, uh, you know, I did not want to, to let it go unsaid. I did not I did not mean to call – I wouldn't call anybody unless I know them. Right. You know, a phony. I just didn't think that he was, did a very good job, despite the fact that the team got to the cup final, which makes the argument even more kind of crazy. But it is what it is now, and, uh, you know, I – you know, you put these things behind you, and like I said, it's not like Frank and I are are, are good friends. Uh, we come from different generations in this business, and uh, he's doing a nice job, and I wish him well, and that's it. And now we get the uh, Martin St. Louis era. Um, and listen, yeah. I, you can't really judge him on wins and losses. The team is just in a bad way, and you know, Toffoli gets traded yeah. to Calgary. It looks like there's going to be more of a strip down before we get to the trade deadline, but it looks like they're playing with a little more spirit. And and listen, I've always been a fan of Marty, and, and, I, and I, I, I said when he was hired on the K-Show that when you tell Marty St. Louis he can't do something, it almost guarantees it's going to get done. So you know he's going to put in the yeah. work, and, and I hope he gets the opportunity to do this long term. Yeah, I'm... I tend to agree with you. I mean, people haven't made a lot of money in the last 30 years betting against Marty St. Louis, right? Right. I mean, he's someone that has found a way as a player to have an unbelievable career, Hall of Fame career, and won a Stanley Cup and won individual honors. And I can remember when I was scouting for the Dallas Stars back in the late 90s and talk would come up with these really good players in Vermont, uh, Marty St. Louis and Eric Perrin, their childhood friends, they both really lighten up and you know, the scouts, I would say, well, what, who's going to grab them for the NHL? And they'd say, well, they'll never play in the NHL. They're too small. And they actually both played in the NHL, but Marty went on to have an unbelievable career and, and as I mentioned, go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, coaching is a completely different animal, as you know, Don. I mean, I have no idea if Marty St. Louis is going to become a good coach or if he's going to like it enough to want to do it as a, as a kind of a second career for himself. But I think in the short term, uh, he can kind of try to try to put together the pieces of that room a little bit, kind of connect the younger players. He's obviously coached at the, at the very young youth level, uh, Pee Wee and Bantam level, and he's had a lot of success in that regard. Uh, so I think they're just trying to trying to evaluate what they have there in Montreal. They already traded Tyler Toffoli. They're looking at probably trading some other pieces if they can. Ben Sherrod is somebody that's highly sought after is a guy who's got an expiring contract. I don't know if 
guys with longer-term contracts like Gallagher or Anderson or Petrie can be moved out of there at this time. But I think what Marty St. Louis' job is to come in there and kind of right the ship a little bit in terms of just having everybody accountable, playing hard every night, learning for the young guys, learning how to be a pro and to, to battle through adversity like this season has been for them. And, and Kent Hughes, who is the uh, general manager, and Jeff Gordon will evaluate. And the three guys all have a relationship with one another, so uh, you know we'll see where it goes. But coaching is a different animal, and it's hard to say you know what guys are going to be great coaches and who aren't who who aren't going to be great coaches. But <laughs> I know that Marty, if he wants to do it, will certainly put in the work. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, let's look uh, and recap some of the games from last night. I got the call on the 2-1 Ranger victory in a shootout over the Boston Bruins. And I guess the story in this one, Shesterkin forced to leave for concussion protocol. Uh, He gets run into, ends up playing for a few minutes, and then the next stoppage, he's forced to leave the game. Very frustrated, actually threw a stick against the glass. There was 40 seconds left in overtime, and you're thinking he's not going to be able to finish. Well, the Rangers are able to kind of meander through the final 40 minutes, actually called timeout with 6.7 seconds to go. We speculated maybe just to buy another 30 seconds to maybe get Shesterkin back. Then after the dry scrape for the shootout, he is able to return, and he ends up getting the win in a nine-round shootout, which is pretty rare. But I guess the frustrating thing for Shesterkin, and just for fans, is how arbitrary is it? You know, why was he not asked to leave after the original contact? Who determines um, when he has to leave the ice? Uh, how long uh, do do you stay out? Like, so uh, we were speculating if Galan had called the timeout just to buy the 30 seconds. Is, is there just a better way or is this just the best way to not have a guy play with a concussion? Well, I think the up are all interesting, and I think there probably could be more. You know, there probably has been transparency on it. It's not something that happens all the time. So when it does happen, particularly with a goaltender, it's a it's a big deal. Um, so it might be good to go back, you know, to the league. You know, it's something maybe I'll try to do later today and kind of go get a little bit more, get a few more answers on exactly the procedure. But I think. You know, they are concerned about concussions and, uh, and head injuries, and that's, that's, a great, that's a great change to our game over the last, uh, you know, 10 years or so, that the awareness of those injuries and the dangerous nature of those injuries is something that and, uh, it's frustrating in the moment, certainly for Shesterkin, uh, who wanted to be in there, all, the, all athletes who are, Great competitors want to be don't want to be removed from the game when they feel okay. But I think uh, you know it is a good thing to check through it. So you know, again, it's something I'll go back and try to get a little more clarification on some of the questions you ask. I think they're all fair. I do think they. I, I understand they have somebody you know in the uh, you know the, the 
the room in New York where the Toronto player safety is. I believe that's the case, but I'll I'll, I'll look back yeah. into that and find out. But at the end of the day, I think it's for the best. It's in the best interest of the players to uh, you know to be checked out. In this case, apparently, Shosturkin was okay, and he was able to prove that he was okay pretty quickly, and he got back in there, and it made for good theater and. You know, the Rangers went on to win that uh, shootout, a nine-round shootout, which, as you mentioned, is, we don't see too many of those. I heard your partner last night, Dave Maloney, calling for Merrick Malik. <laughs> the shootout, we remember that one back in, uh, I guess it was 2005, against the Capitals in the first year of the shootout. But um, it, is, it is interesting, and luckily for the Rangers and for Shesterkin, and hopefully there's no... After effects, hopefully everything's okay, and uh, seems to be as he was looked like he was fine in the shootout. Islanders lose their third straight; they fall to the Sabers by the final score of six to three. I mean, th- this is it for them, EJ. I, I gave them a little bit of hope, especially with Boston struggling and in Washington struggling, that maybe the door could be open. They're just not playing well enough to make this happen. And, and now three straight losses—you can't lose to the Sabers if you're trying to win every game that you're playing. So how does Lou handle this moving forward? I, I guess they're going to have to be in sell mode, no? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. I, don't, I think, it's, you know, um, it's unfortunate the way things have unfolded for the Islanders this year. I mean, it's a team that went to the Final Four each of the last two seasons. They had opening a new building this year. And, you know, it would have been, I'm sure, for Islander fans and for for Barry Trotz and Lou and management ownership. I'm sure the plan was to have a really good year and make the playoffs. But it just has not played out that way for a number of reasons. And uh, you're right. You can't lose to the Buffalo Sabres uh, in the situation they're in. And uh, and they're just too far out. And, you know, obviously if somebody falls off a cliff, if Boston or Washington were going to a prolonged losing streak, and I would mean losing like 10 or 12 in a row, and the Islanders would take full advantage and maybe go like 10-0 and 2 in that run. That's the only way that they're going to even get close to being back in it. So it's unlikely. So the deadline is March 21st, and I think uh, you know someone like uh, Verlamov is an interesting, an interesting piece. There's teams that are looking for goaltenders, so he could be on the move, perhaps, if the Islanders feel that uh, they're ready to move forward with Sorokin. I, I think, you know, that's one of those ones where they might just have to be like, well, you know, do we think we need to do more? And in which case, maybe we we really shuffle the deck? Or do we feel like this season was just one of those years and we want to come back strong next year? And in that case, they might want to hold on to Verlamov for another year. But certainly there are teams that are going to make a call. I would think about him. Um, you know, the other pieces they have there. Some of those guys are on longer-term contracts. Uh, I know it's been a really tough year for uh, Kyle Palmieri. He did have a pair of goals last night. It's only his second and third goals of the year. I don't think there's going to be a lot of interest, especially with the contract that he has. Uh, you know, someone like Zach Parisi on a one-year deal, I don't think he's all that interested in moving unless it was to a really uh, you know, a really a place that he had really had a good chance to win, like a Colorado or something of that nature. Um, you know, he's definitely uh, kind of a back and forward at this point of his career. So I don't know how much they really have to offer, you know, when you think about their team in terms of contracts and guys that would be available and then guys that, you know, teams would have interest in. Uh, Flames have won seven in a row. Uh, are you ready to put them among the elite teams in the West or you still want to see more? 
Well, I, you know, I'd like to see them, you know, in those matchups when they play Colorado and and Vegas and Minnesota. I mean, those seem to be the really high-end teams in the conference. I like I like Calgary a lot when they came in early in the year and they, they beat up on the, the locals here. They beat the Rangers and Devils pretty handily in back-to-back games. Um, you know, they got one of the best lines in hockey when you think about Kachuk and uh, Gaudreau and Lindholm. I mean, Elias Lindholm, nobody ever talks about him. And, no. You know, he's one of the he's one of the better players in this league. And uh, that line has been really terrific for them. Um, they've got, a you know, another uh, line set up by Backlund that, uh, that features uh, Blake Coleman from, from Tampa Bay and Mangiapane. And that line, five on five, I, I don't know, I don't have the numbers from last night, but of, of guys that have played over 200 minutes together, five on five, they've only allowed, they've only been on the ice for five goals against, which was the best in that category. So that's another really uh, effective line. And now they've added to Foley to come in and play with Monaghan and, and Dubé. They've got a pretty established fourth group there with with the toughness of a Lucic and uh, Trevor Lewis is a, been a pretty good player. He was part of that Kings team that was a Stanley Cup winner. Yeah. Um, they've got a terrific goalie in Markstrom, and you know I think if anything they could use a little help on the blue line. They were rumored to be in the mix for Ben Sherratt, um, so we'll see. But uh, you know that's a good team. But it's you know it's always I've said it forever, guy. Right? Matchups and injuries when you get into the postseason, right? Like. Who will they match up against? How will they match up? I remember a couple years ago they played Colorado, and it was a bad match for Calgary, and they got kind of run out of the series. Now, they're a different team now with a different coach and a different goaltender. So, uh, you know, maybe it'll be different, but I'll be just curious to see when those teams play head-to-head. I mean, Calgary, um, you know, they're in the mix to win the, the Pacific. They've got the points percentage right now over Vegas. Vegas is getting Eichel back tonight, which is exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Mark now is on long-term injury, and because of the cap circumstances there for Vegas, I mean, who knows when we're going to see their full team together on the ice. So that could be problematic for them. So Calgary's real good. they got a great coach. they got a great goaltender. they got some really high-end uh, lines that are clicking. If they can add one more defenseman, I think it'll make it more dangerous. So I guess to your point is that's a good team. And uh, I got to think there'll be trouble for whoever they play. Yeah, they six-two win over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Their seventh consecutive win last night. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty-four-seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Stars beat the Avalanche in Colorado, which is not easy to do. Uh, four to one the final score. But I think the thing for me here, and this is always going to be the conversation with the Avalanche, again, the goaltending. Stars score four goals on 20 shots. Francois allowed... Uh, three goals on 19 shots, but uh, that's a good win for the Stars who just need every game they can get and probably weren't expecting to get that one in Colorado last night. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Donnie, when you go inside the schedule, right? Like the two teams, it was the second of a home-and-home uh, home between the Stars and the Avalanche. The Avalanche went into Dallas on Sunday afternoon, and they, they beat them 4 nothing, and they really – uh, the Dallas Stars did not get much of a sniff in that game, and the Stars were, were kind of ticked 
about the way they played. Uh, the coach, Rick Bonus, said they were tiptoeing around and gave them too much respect. And they came out and played a much better game. They have a, an excellent top line. Again, one of those top lines in the league with Pavelski, Hintz, and Jason Robertson, who I just think is a terrific young player. So those guys produced. Um, Jake Ottinger, the young goaltender, played very well. And the Stars were able to find a way to win the game. Now for the Avs, they go back right at it tonight. They're in Vegas, so it's the third game in four days for Vegas. I mean, for Colorado. And yeah. meanwhile, Vegas has played the week. So, you know, you saw that a little bit with the Rangers and Bruins last night. One team had been off. One team has been playing. So the, the schedule is a little nutty right now with all the makeups and teams that have been out and not playing. Florida plays tonight. They haven't played in 15 days. So they play Carolina tonight, so that'll be a challenge for them. But uh, Dallas, you're right, they need the points. Um, they're in the scramble, and for Colorado, uh, you know, they played uh, Francois last night. Kemper has been very good for them. He'll be in net tonight in Vegas. So, um, you know, Colorado has played so well, it's hard to get on too much for a blip on the radar. I mean, it was their first regulation loss since, I think, the middle of December, and we're into the middle of February now. So, yeah, uh, 19 points streak at home. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Joe Sackick and company, what little tweaks they make and if they feel they want to try to add. I do think, Donnie, that they can add another goalie to the mix they would like to. Now, I don't know if it'll be Marc-Andre Fleury, if that can be worked out, but I think they would like to add another goalie to their mix just to be sure because I don't think they trust Francois. I think with Kemper, he hasn't. Ben hasn't had to be that guy when it's really mattered so far in his career. So there's a, there's a nervousness there. And, and remember, this is a team that only a couple of years ago went through three or four goalies in the playoffs. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Joe Sack and his, and his group looks to add one more goalie just to be just to stock things up. Um, Woodcroft make that much of a difference at Edmonton with this three-game winning streak? Well, so far. And, and you know, I, got to, I talked to uh, Ken Hitchcock, who... Uh, a long-time coach, Stanley Cup winner in Dallas, that had coached in Edmonton. You know, that was, I believe, his last assignment. And uh, he had so he has had some familiarity with Jay Woodcroft, and he really spoke very highly of of Jay. And I remember Jay goes back uh, to the to the Detroit days. There, he was with uh, Mike Babcock and the with the Red Wings uh, as a video coach, and Todd McClellan was on that staff, and then he went with McClellan to San Jose, eventually went with McClellan to Edmonton, yeah. and then he's been a head coach in the uh, in the American League with the Oilers uh, minor league team. So, um, But Hitch just said, I'm really impressed with Jay Woodcroft, and one of the things that he, that he said that really stands out about him is he's someone that does a great job of getting the guys to play for one another. And by that, you know, giving guys roles, valuing those roles, and having the guys, which at the end of the day, Al Arbor said this, you know, about the Islander teams that were great when I was a kid, and I always remember, you know, hanging on to those words. It's like, no matter what I say in this room, the guys have to play for one another. They have to be able to look to their left, look to their right, look across the room, and play hard for one another, be accountable to one another. And if Jay Woodcroft can bring that to Edmonton, that's a big plus. And he's got some familiarity with some of the younger players that they're trying to kind of acclimate into their team and, and get them to be helpful NHL players. And I think he's going to lean on some of those guys maybe a little harder than Dave Tippett might have, who wasn't as familiar with them. So 
that's something to look for as well because I can remember, you know, when you think about Mike Sullivan coming over to take over the Penguins, coming up from the Miners, Dad Bilesma coming up from the Miners, take over the Penguins. In his, uh, in his run, uh, in both those cases, and you can go back, Bruce Boudreau, when he took over the Caps and, uh, from Hershey in 2007, is when guys come in and have a familiarity with the top players in the American League and guys that are on the cusp of coming to the NHL, that familiarity sometimes is really helpful in making those players mm-hmm. have a successful transition and become really uh, impactful or more impactful NHL players, even if they're just role players. So uh, that was a big win for the Oilers last night. Second of a back-to-back uh, in L.A. You know, they had beaten San Jose pretty handily the night before. Um, so we'll keep an eye on the Oilers right now and mm-hmm. what they're going to do. But uh, but Jay Woodcroft has gotten, uh, you know, he got some – some good reviews from the guys like Hitch that I've talked to. We'll see if he can continue to work his magic. They've got Anaheim coming up, I believe, tomorrow night. Want to squeeze in a couple of tweets here? Let's do it. Let's do All it. right. Um, congratulations, by the way, Sidney Crosby, 500th goal in the Penguins' 5-4 yep. win over the Flyers. So David B. says, where do you think Sidney Crosby will rank all-time when his career comes to a close? Well... I think he's a top three player probably in the league history, top three or four. I agree. Um, he's right there. You know, he's, he's right there. And, I mean, you know, we have the lore and legend of the game. There's been so many great, great players in the history of this game. I mean, Gretzky and Orr and Lemieux and Howe and Messier and Bellavo and, I mean, Richard. I mean, I can, you know, I can go on. But Sidney Crosby, I mean, what hasn't he done? He's uh, been part of three Stanley Cup winners, including a back-to-back winner. He uh, he's been a part, he's been an Olympic champion. Uh, he's been a World Junior champion. Uh, he's won the uh, Rocket Richard Trophy for goal scoring. Uh, he plays all 200 by 85. He's in the battle physically. He's a great playmaker. Um, I just don't know what he hasn't done. Yeah. in his career. And the story I always tell about Sidney Crosby is that it, when the Penguins were playing the National Predators in the Cup Final, there were two days off between games. I believe it was five and six. And the Penguins came off a really strong showing at home in game five. I think they might have won five or six nothing. It was a blowout. And on the next day, when really no one was at the rink because of the extra day off, the only guy in there working out was Sidney Crosby. Yeah. So, you know, he is his his expectations for himself have always far exceeded anyone else's, and he's a combination of great skill and intense, relentless desire. And uh, he's one of the great players to ever play this game. Period. So, uh, you know, you can rank him anywhere you want, but I'd say it's hard to get him outside the top five. Really. No, he's he's one of the greats that ever play for sure. Uh, Sam Mitchell says, do you think the Devils trade Subban to a contender at the deadline? I think that P.K. Subban will definitely, uh, there'll be conversations. Uh, His contract is expiring. The Devils are not a playoff team. Uh, I'm sure Tom Fitzgerald would love to get some asset in return. Uh, I think P.K. has been uh, a helpful player this year because you got to remember, you look at the Devils early in the year when they had well, they had their goaltending at least somewhat intact, and Dougie Hamilton was healthy, and he was playing 
playing in more of a, he was playing in a little a more of a secondary role, and he was very helpful. And I think that's what teams would look for him now to be. And you know, a team like Toronto, for example, is uh, I think in dire need of some help on the blue line. Now they have a cap issue, so I have no idea if they could make that work. But he'd be among or amongst uh, a handful of uh, defensemen that I'm sure they're thinking about. Um, and I think there's several other teams, especially a right-shot defenseman like that as well. So, uh, you know, I think that they'll, there'll be discussions, and the question is going to be, you know, what can they get for them, and, you know, what's the market? There's a lot of sellers right now. I mean, eight teams in the East are pretty much in sell mode. Yeah. And there's a couple of them test at this point. So, uh, you know, defensemen are usually uh, a commodity that people want. So I, I do anticipate he'll be moved, but the question is, what can they get for him and what's the level of interest? But if teams have been watching Subban this year, I think what they see is a guy who's played pretty well, and you know he's not going to be somebody that's going to go to the top of your lineup. But as a uh, competitive, experienced, right-side defenseman, I think he can help you. Uh, Chris says, hey, guys, it appears Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis might be the favorites of landing Claude Giroux. If Colorado refuses to include New Hook in a trade, would Marco uh, Rossi in Minnesota or Robert Thomas in St. Louis be realistic returns in a potential trade package? Uh, forget about those guys. They're okay. not getting them. Okay. <laughs> so, so I think that what we're looking at here is the usual fare for a in a situation like this where a team is kind of out of it, expiring contract, which would be likely a first round pick a pro like a, like maybe you know prospects B prospects you're not going to get someone's top prospect but uh, and then maybe a player off the roster if there's a financial consideration like if you need to move money to you know to, to have uh, you know to be able to incorporate Jeru's prorated hit into your group you know then there's maybe a player and then maybe there's a uh, conditional. You know, if we win the Stanley Cup, you get another first-round pick. Uh, you know, if we get to the third round, you get a second-round pick. You know, those kind of conditions that we've seen in, in trades. But I really would not – I'd be very, very surprised to see anybody trade away their top prospect, and particularly Minnesota because, you know, Minnesota's in a unique situation because of the buyouts to Suter and Parisi. They're going to have a lot of dead money the next three years. The way the math worked out on that is this year the cap hit is not significant. That the dead money is not significant. But the next three years, Don, they're looking at twelve or thirteen million dollars of dead money. So they are not going to be in a position to add assets next year, and, the, and the, you know as many kind of extra assets, so to speak. So they're going to need young players like a Rossi like Baldy, who's off to a terrific start to his career, and I really yeah. like as a player. Uh, you know, they're going to need those guys to be really helpful players for their team because they're not going to be able to add, you know, the, the random free agent on a, you know, four times five kind of deal. They're just they're going to have to be more economical in their approach. So, And they've already got some guys on, on some significant contracts when you think of Kaprizov and some others. So... You know, I don't think Minnesota is going to be in the business of trading away any really good young players that they think can be part of their team in the next couple of years. So, uh, but I, I think these are the normal deals we see: first round pick, 
a player off a list. Like usually you'll give a team a list. Here's six. Take one of right. one or two or one off this list, maybe another off this list, and then maybe a conditional pick, and then maybe a player if, uh, you know, a, a player if there's a financial consideration if the team doesn't want to uh, retain salary. So that's what I think you're looking at here. I don't think any of those players mentioned would be involved in that kind of trade. I want to squeeze one more in here. Troy says, in the early 2000s, the Lightning added Dave Anderchuk, and he provided playoff experience and leadership that paid off with the franchise's first Stanley Cup. Who would be the Oilers' Anderchuk to make them a Cup contender? Well, they've, they've already added, you know, Duncan Keith, right? And that yeah. was a big part of that addition, was that here's Duncan Keith, who's a three-time Stanley Cup winner, and somebody that has the gravitas amongst the players in the league and in that room that could provide and be a part of the leadership group and to provide some insight for, for the guys that are the leaders there, McDavid and Dreisaitl, and someone that they could defer to based on the, the longevity and the, uh, the Hall of Fame nature of, just of, uh, of Keith's career, right? So Duncan Keith's career. So I think that was a big part. But he's out right now. He's had an injury. I think he's had a concussion issue. They're hoping to get him back in a couple of weeks. Um, so I think they've already tried to address that. I can tell you quick just a funny story about Dave Andertruck when he was there because I can remember being in the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning locker room. I was with uh, Grant Ledyard was a defenseman. He played for the Rangers. He played for the Dallas Stars. I think he played for the Sabres. And he's, he was in Tampa, and I had become friendly with him during his time in Dallas when I was down there. And so I, I came into the locker room, and this was when the Lightning were trying to figure it out still. And David got there, and they had a lot of young players. And uh, they played the Islanders, and they just got hammered by the Islanders. This was probably around 2001, maybe 2002, somewhere in there. And... I sit down next to Grant Ledger at his stall, and we start talking, and then all of a sudden, Dave Anderchuk gets up, and he has started, He starts having a team meeting. And I'm sitting right next to Grant, and I'm like, well, should I get up? And Grant just says, just stay here. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there, and, and Dave Anderchuk just starts talking about, hey, it's not acceptable. You guys got to stay at your locker, answer all the questions. This is not, you know, and he, he went through all these things, and it was kind of a bizarre circumstance for me that I was able to see something firsthand that I would not normally have seen. So, you know, that's what guys like veteran players do with, with younger teams. I think the Oilers are much further along than those Lightning players were at that time. But certainly it helps to have it. Daryl Sutter pointed it out, getting Tyler Dupoli. There's experience, and then there's winning experience, and that's a big difference. Yeah, the big difference. And so, you know, I think, I think Duncan Keith is someone. That's why Kenny Holland added him, one of the big reasons. Mm-hmm. and hopefully you get back healthy and playing. But uh, I keep an eye on the Oilers right now. Uh, that's a nice couple of wins in a row, and we'll see if they can keep it moving in the right direction. Well, EJ, thank you for this. It took a while for us to hook back up, but I'm glad we were able to do something, and I'll talk to you next week. All right. I hope I didn't start any more trouble today. No, I, 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 I'm to, sure I'm sure you'll be fine. Trying to behave. But know? no matter what, I got your back. Well, I, listen, I appreciate that, and I appreciate that. And, you know, it was, like I said, the last thing I'll say is, I, you know, i got to be better. In some no. cases. I can't just, uh, you know, sometimes you have a bad day, you can't take it out on everybody. That's right. Just get back to work. We'll hang in there. We'll talk to you next week. All right, my friend. We'll see you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, that's the great EJ Raddick. Usually joins us on Monday, but we had him on today. Got caught up in all the things that are going on in the NHL. Four games tonight. Uh, at 7 o'clock, the Wild are in Winnipeg to take on the Jets. But the thing that I'm really excited about at 7.30, TNT, Panthers, and Hurricanes in Carolina. Um, these are usually two teams that don't get a lot of national television experience, but they're two of the best teams in the NHL. So it's a great job of TNT putting them in center stage tonight. Uh, 9.30, Ducks and the Flames. Flames will go for their eighth consecutive win. And at 10 o'clock, the second game of the doubleheader on TNT, Colorado at Vegas. You heard uh, uh, EJ say third game in four nights for the Avalanche, second of back-to-backs. Vegas gets Eichel back, so he's going to be on the national stage, and we'll see. Because is this the missing piece for Vegas? They've needed that offensive firepower, and that's the reason why they made this deal. They gave up a lot for him. He's now back. Really interesting game. This is two of the best teams of the Western Conference, and that should be a lot of fun. So a great doubleheader on TNT uh, coming up tonight. I'll have Rangers and Red Wings tomorrow at Madison Square Garden on 98.7 ESPN. I'm looking forward to that. We'll be back with you on the podcast on Friday. We'll have our weekly top five, recap all the games from Thursday night, set you up for the weekend. So if you want to get in touch with me, best way to do that, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.